Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On Primetime Politics, Obstructed Agenda. We are going to keep doing this until he listens to Canadians and acts the tax. MPs sit overnight for a marathon voting session, part of the conservative tactics to fight the carbon tax. Will the government give in to opposition demands? Our journalist panel weighs in. And memorial meddling? Controversy is brewing over the winning bid to design Canada's national monument to the war in Afghanistan. Did the Prime Minister's office get involved? We'll ask former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour, who was part of one of the teams bidding for the contract. Plus, we'll play our conversation with Yukon Premier Ranch Pillay in town for meetings with federal officials on issues of critical importance to the North. This is Primetime Politics. Hello, everyone. I'm Catherine Lafrance, in for Michael Serapio. MPs worked through the night on Thursday as Conservatives imposed 135 votes on the House. It's all part of the official opposition strategy to delay the Liberal government's legislative agenda unless it scraps its carbon tax from all home heating before the holidays. Take a listen to Conservative Party House leader Andrew Scheer. We have successfully killed a day of government business. This is one less day that Justin Trudeau will have to implement his destructive agenda that is dividing Canadians and driving up prices, and of course his plan to quadruple the carbon tax. That's what this is all about. The carbon tax is really hurting Canadian families as we head into the Christmas season. So the Conservatives say they won't back down, but at the end of the fall parliamentary sitting inches closer, will the government give in or will more stalling tactics be on the agenda next week? Let's bring in our weekly journalist panel. Robert Fife is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. Joël Denis Bellavance is the Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. And Chrissy Kirkop is political reporter for The Globe and Mail. Um, so, we heard from the, the Conservative House leader, Andrew Scheer, earlier today, boasting about forcing MPs to stay in the House overnight to vote. Uh, is this a winning strategy for the opposition? Is there any way the Liberals will give in? Bob, maybe we we'll, could start with you. Well, no, because this is, this is just a big game. This happens almost every uh, end of Christmas and session and, and early in June, there's always some kind of a stunt like this. Uh, let's not take it seriously. I'm, surely, I'm, I'm cer certain most people out there aren't paying the slightest bit of attention to it uh, wisely. Um, as you much know, as we do anyway. <laughs> we, well, we, we're paid to do that. Uh, look, you know, by, by the, on, they'll probably all be gone on the 15th and it'll do it at, at late at night and we'll wake up in the morning and they're all gone because and so much for their big or our gut gonna leave and we're gonna stall until the carbon tax uh, is dropped on farmers uh, that's not going to happen mm -hmm. uh, they don't expect it to happen this is just a political stunt by the conservatives to get some mileage with uh, farmers and to try to stick it to the liberals before uh, the uh, everybody breaks for the Christmas Christmas uh, holidays so I wouldn't read a lot into this 
Jean-Denis, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Political scum is Jean-Denis. And I think it, it's meant to uh, help the Conservative build bridges with the farmers. They're very strong on that one, but also raise money for the party. I think uh, the political party, uh, that is the Conservative Party, is a big... Um, it, it's quite adept at raising money, using every event to make it a fundraising event, and their coffer is already very full. I mean, I think this year the Conservative Party will raise probably around $32 million in an off-election year, which is uh, unheard of, uh, a, uh, a record. So um, Mr. Poliev was in the House of Commons uh, after the day of the vote, bringing some McDonald's to the troops, you know, to do a big rah-rah-rah. Uh, but he skipped the most of the votes because he went to Montreal to do some right. fundraising <laughs> at the same time. So, <laughs> as Bob said, a big political stunt to uh, raise some money. Christy, in your opinion? Yeah, I think a big part of this is the conservative leader. Actually, you, you could see it kind of in the video, which was posted on his own account. But he, you know, I think is is trying to give the base a, a bit of red meat, honestly, I guess, with the burgers that he also was serving <laughs> to the, the caucus and, you know, kind of um, trying to to dial up that support and to to show, as as Bob and J.D. were mentioning, that they're really sticking it to the liberals. Um, I thought it was interesting. The prime minister came out. Uh, he was in the House of Commons uh, this morning and he came out and he had a big smile on his face and he was asked about this and he said no we're we're not getting rid of uh, the the tax and actually I think that's the first time we've actually heard him use the language around like I'm not we're not going to be axing the tax right. um, uh, in relation to their carbon pricing regime so uh, the liberals you know saying they're using coffee and tea and other you know uh, other techniques to to keep their side of the house awake um, and yes it is it is political theater, but also a moment where I think uh, Polyev is, is showing that he's kind of in touch with his caucus and showing to his supporters that uh, they're, you know, the, they're really going to go after um, the Liberals in a big way, which they frankly have uh, this session. Okay, uh, so the Conservatives seem proud of the fact that they've successfully obstructed the Liberal agenda, at least for a couple of days. <laughs> but there's some pretty critical work left before the holidays, thinking of uh, affordability measures, sustainable job legislation, um, the fall economic statement. Do you think Canadians view this as an appropriate use of Parliament's time? In one word, do they care? I'll, I'll start with you. Well, it's Christmas, so the holiday season approaching. I think most people are actually holiday shopping right now, Christmas shop, <laughs> holiday shopping. I don't think they think about politics. Um, and in, in a very fundamental way, I don't think it does help, you know, solidify the image of politicians in the eyes of Canadians when they spend so much time arguing uh, by using parliamentary tricks, whereas there are other issues that are very much pressing. Yes, this is a, a very uh, issue that it goes to the core of the ideology of the Conservative Party, acts the tax, as they say it. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, the government has already passed most of its measures in terms of the uh, price on pollution, and it's a way to try to force the hands of the government where it will not go. So uh, at the end of the day, the result will be the same, what, no matter what, uh, the, the tricks used by the Conservative Party in the House of Commons. So I don't think Canadians uh, think that it matters that much. Mm -hmm. Christy? Yeah, I, I mean... I know we're all political junkies, and this is interesting again uh, to to watch, and you know how how everything is going down and the different uh, techniques that are being used. But I'm always mindful to kind of take a step outside of the parliamentary precinct. I don't I don't think um, that people are 
really tuned in to, to what is going on uh, on the floor of the House of Commons. Maybe they heard uh, a news story that said that they were up all night and, you know, there were some procedural techniques. But, yeah, I, I don't actually think that this is going to resonate with a, a wide audience. Bob, you well, partly Well, the Liberals answer. are definitely trying to make hay of this. And so with the NDP. They look like they're uh, joining at the hip and going after the Conservatives for specific measures that they say the, that they're blocking, whether it's... Uh, you know, affordability issues, for example, or uh, support for Ukraine. But the fact of the matter, even if this legislation was passed um, this week or next week in the House of Commons, it still has to go to the Senate. And so we won't see that being dealt with until probably mm -hmm. closer to the spring. So it's not really that uh, pressing an issue. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And But I also agree with my two friends that you know, I just don't think at this particular point Canadians are paying a hell of a lot of attention to this. In fact, there was a poll done on the economic statement and it just dropped like a dead <laughs> 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 balloon. I mean, nobody was paying attention. <clears throat> okay, but there's are, there are just a few days um, in the sitting calendar for 2023, believe it or not. <laughs> Parliament is supposed to adjourn next Friday for the holidays. So what are you watching for uh, in, in, in the couple of days, in the there are polls that are showing that the Conservative Party has a wide lead. So I will be watching whether there will be some chatter about the future of the leadership of the uh, Liberal Party, which is the Prime Minister. We had the uh, Mr. Trudeau yesterday in an editorial board meeting, and Mr. Trudeau made it clear that he wants to run again. But will Liberals start the chatter before we go and have the Turkey dinner at Christmas? And that's, I think, going to be is going to be a critical moment for the leadership of the Liberal Party. I think, in my sense, whether Canadians have reached a conclusion that it's time for change, and that's you know, when once Canadians have reached that conclusion, it's tough to change their minds. Uh, right. I think we've reached that point right now. No matter what the Prime Minister says, or no matter what the Liberal Party has as leader, I think we've reached that moment in the life of that government. Have we reached that moment, Christy? Well, I, I do think that Justin Trudeau, as a politician, he prides himself on being the underdog. And I would point to the point, yeah. boxing match that happened between uh, Patrick Brazo and Justin Trudeau, where he loved, he thrived on the idea of being an underdog. And he, he is a fierce competitor. And we have seen that um, in in elections. He also was a fierce campaigner. However, I think this moment has been very different than any other for Justin Trudeau since he has become leader. This sustained amount of, um, you know, pushback even from within his own caucus and questions about his own future. So, you know, yes, he's trying to say in this interview and, and elsewhere, you know, that, that he's, he's still in it to win it and he wants to continue to fight. But again, you know, if if the caucus and they are hearing it um, in in their respective ridings, mm -hmm. if there continue to be rumblings inside the caucus, it it might not be a decision that he can make alone, right? He has to have the, that team behind him. And that um, has been a challenge over the course of many months to kind of bring the team together and to kind of believe that they believe that he is still the person to, to lead them given um, just looking at the poll numbers, Abacus data, you know, in their, their latest survey, you know, looking at a 19 point that's, lead. This, this is significant, huge. right? So that's why I, I think that, yes, he might, he might be a fighter and he wants to continue to play ball, um, but 
this is an, a moment unlike any other that we've seen for Justin Trudeau. Would you say that too? Yeah, look, since 1945, we've not, nobody has uh, gone past uh, nine or ten years uh, as prime minister. Uh, his father did, but he lost first, and then and Joe Clark blew it, and Superior <laughs> Trudeau came back. But but it, so I, you know, it's a be a real challenge for him to win the next election campaign because I just think, and the polls are showing this, even though we're. Uh, we're off for an election maybe next year or in the fall. Uh, I could see the Liberals actually trying to have an election in the fall and try to mm -hmm. uh, paint uh, Paul, Pierre Polyev as, as Donald Trump. Uh, and that, if they're going to do anything, it probably is the, maybe an opportune time for them to do that. But boy, <laughs> people are kind of really sick of Trudeau and it's really hard to turn that around. And, you know, history's, the, the historical record is there. Okay, so two more minutes. I won't let you go just now. <laughs> so, uh, um, Joelle Denis, you, your paper had a year-end sit-down with uh, Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, what, what were the takeaways? Uh, well, he said he, he's going yes, to say. And, and that's an interesting uh, point because we spent about 25 minutes of the 15 minutes interview we had with him talk about his future. And he mentioned that he had, at some point this summer, thought about maybe it's time to go. So he... he uh, offered that, uh, and the reason why he had that reflection is was because the security of his family. He's not sure he can guarantee that as right. much as possible. But I think he's. He seemed concerned. Yeah, he seems very concerned about the, the security of his family, given the political context. You know, uh, we were post-COVID. We had the convoy in Ottawa. We've seen people throw rocks at his camping bus in 2021. And uh, every time he goes out in some areas, he, he gets, you know, a, a, not a very welcoming reception. But he's made up his mind and, and that he's going uh, straight ahead because he feels that he's the best position to beat uh, Pierre Paulier or prevent Paulier from, from winning. The other elements we talked about was the uh, public, the state of the public finance. And on that point, he hasn't changed his mind, despite the fact that next year will be more in high interest rate and rate on, on the debt than on any, uh, other items in the budget, which is to me is a bit is so surprising because the Liberals' success in the past have been uh, explained by the fact that they were able to attract blue Liberals. The blue liberals are leaving the Liberal Party right now because of the way they manage their finance. Okay, um, quickly, <laughs> Bob. Uh, he said also, Justin um, Trudeau, that um, an election isn't happening anytime soon. Should we take his word? Uh, yeah, I think that's the case. Not <laughs> those numbers. He ain't calling an election campaign. But I, I, I don't think we should rule out a possibility of an election next fall in line with the uh, U.S. elections. This would be an opportunity for the Liberals to really try to jam uh, Polyev and paint him as a, as a, as a Trump person. Uh, but the polls may not work for them there. And, and if not case, for sure, we're having one in 2025. We have no choice. <laughs> Quickly, uh, last one. Uh, Christy, would you agree? Yeah, I think um, to Bob's point, um, the NDP also doesn't, by the way, want to put ripcord in the supply and confidence agreement because they too, um, you know, have many reasons not to want to see an election. So you have this kind of union between the Liberals and the NDP, despite the fact that Pharmacare legislation, by the way, not only hasn't been passed per the terms of that agreement, but it hasn't even been introduced yet. Um, but the NDP and the Liberals are willing to work together. Why? Because they're kind of awkward dance partners right now and they're just they want to fend off uh, um, the conservatives. Chrissy, uh, Joël Denis, Bob, thank, thank you. you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Catherine.
A controversy is swirling over the National Memorial to Canada's mission in Afghanistan. A jury had selected what is known as a Dao team, given the involvement of the architecture firm Dao Le Stage Lizard Stecker. However, in June, that decision was rejected by then Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley, who instead picked what is known as the Stimson team after visual artist Adrian Stimson. On Monday, La Presse reported on access to information documents obtained by the bloc that suggested the Prime Minister's office was involved in the issue. Former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour was part of the Dao team, and she joins me now. So, how did it feel to know you weren't being chosen? Actually, it was, uh, I think, shocking is probably the, the first thing that comes to mind. Mm. I have to say, I had to read the letter twice, which said, literally, even though you have been selected by the jury as having won the competition, the government of Canada has decided to give the, the contract to another team. I thought I must have misread that. This can't be true. Uh, and with, of course, no opportunity to make any kind of representation. This was a couple of hours before the press conference. Uh, so, yeah, shocking. And then in, then getting into a little more details about it and thinking about it, it's more than shocking. It's completely unacceptable. Uh, and the bloc has obtained documents suggesting the prime minister's office was involved in that decision. Is it acceptable to you? Quite honestly, the, the documentation that I've seen, um, it's very difficult. A lot of the things are caveat um, uh, redacted, so you can't tell, like, for instance, seems like they got an opinion from the Justice Department as to whether this was open, but it's all scratched out. Um, so what level of involvement the prime minister, we wrote a letter to the prime minister in, uh, I think, mid-September, uh, copying all the ministers who may have any kind of involvement. So uh, heritage, veterans affairs, global affairs, there were lots of civilians in that mission, public works, uh, treasury board. Uh, we copied all these ministers. Uh, has, telling the government this is not acceptable. There's a lot of outrage out there urging the prime minister's office to reverse that decision, whoever made it, because technically it was supposed to be made by the ministers of heritage and veterans affairs, and to reverse it. And we never got any answer. We got a, uh, an acknowledgement or re received a letter mm -hmm. to 15th September. No answer from anybody. And in the meantime, several of these ministers, I could tell you, have called me on occasions to ask an opinion, not a retainer or anything, just, you know, what do you think? of? I take their calls. Nobody, nobody is so, so what we know so far, what we heard is that a spokesperson for the, uh, the Veterans Affairs Minister said the Stimson team's design was favored in a 2021 online survey. She said the majority of the people who commented on the designs were veterans, their families and others who served on the mission. Isn't it reasonable that they want to respect veterans' preferences? Well, it was part of the rules of the contest. Of course, I think you know, public acceptability in, in public arts, it's perfectly fine to ask the public what they think. But that's not the content. That, these were not the rules. The rules provided that the, the result of that survey were to be made available to the jury, which they were. And the jury took that into account as one of the elements upon which they had to make the decision. And furthermore, we were supposed to be given an opportunity 
to make a presentation to the public before, you know, to explain our monument was, is in the eyes of some very abstract. And so all the teams were supposed to be invited to make a public presentation before the survey. So that didn't happen. But the jury had the survey, the results of the survey in hand, took it into account, and despite all that, gave it some weight. Uh, but there was never any suggestion that this decision would be made on the basis of a public opinion survey. And I can assure you if that had been the case, I don't think the team of which I was a member would have bothered. This is not the way sophisticated presentation of a public art project um, is to be evaluated. Mm -hmm. And what would you like to see happen from here? What should happen in your opinion? We should just be, the government should reverse a decision for which it has zero support. We have, or we've seen all the opposition parties, and this is not, you know, small politics game playing, including a couple of members of the Liberal parties, uh, agree that this was a mistake. You know, it's very easy, and the government has done it in the past, really to their credit, to apologize for historical mistakes. Well, it's a lot easier to apologize for the mistakes of others than to recognize your own and own them, and even better, correct them in real time, which is right now. Mm -hmm. I think the decision, the government should recognize that this, this is a very bad precedent for the allocation of uh, public work through uh, procurement processes, not only in, in the architecture field, but in public works generally, very bad precedent, very public, that the government essentially doesn't follow its own rules. So they should immediately say, in retrospect, this was a mistake. They were rules, we should have followed them, and they should award us the contract. Mrs. Amboul, thank you very much for being with us today. My pleasure. Officials from the Yukon government and Yukon First Nations were in town earlier this week to meet with the federal government. It's a series of meeting dubbed Yukon Days, and they include talks on housing, health care, infrastructure, and critical minerals. Yukon Premier Ranch Pillay spoke to CPAC's Andrew Thompson about it earlier this week. Well, let's hear more about those meetings from Yukon Premier Ranj Pillay. He is with me in studio. Premier, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, two weeks ago, you said that you had been disappointed in the federal government's fall economic statement uh, because there was no new funding for infrastructure uh, and that there was nothing new in terms of disaster response yeah. after what has been a terrible wildfire season. So in Ottawa this week, uh, talking about priorities for Yukon, what have you been hearing back from the federal government? Yeah, look, we, we know there's lots of restraints. Uh, on on the fall economic statement, and we know that um, you know there's there's challenging times when it comes to uh, um, building out the 24 budget as well. But look, I think that um, we were had some promising meetings. Uh, I think the conversations with the prime minister as well as the finance minister, um, you know, have given us some hope uh, about what we can see uh, going into the spring. Um, it was my role as uh, the chair of Western Premier's Conference that is where we actually had communicated with the Prime Minister and said, look, we really think we're in a position right now to look at mitigation, uh, especially after um, for forest fires after last summer. So we're going to still um, be pushing and hope to see something in the springtime that can help us to make sure our communities are ready for next summer. Now, 
you actually visited our set at the Liberal Convention earlier this year, also yeah. here in Ottawa, and uh, you talked with Michael Serapi about the yeah. importance of critical minerals we to did. Yukon's economic future. You talked yeah. about the need for a regulatory framework to really let that sector take off and, yeah. and, and how that might uh, affect Yukon. Uh, what specifically are you looking for from the federal government and what did you hear back from the Prime Minister on this? Look, it's, it's a priority here in Canada. It's a priority all around the world. Uh, we had an opportunity this week, as our last week, sorry, to, um, to be in London at an international resource conference. Um, there was ministers at, uh, that got together at Westminster to talk about this. There is a real focus um, throughout the EU, um, Canada, Australia, um, people know that we need to get this right. Um, I, you know, the meetings were good this week. I had a chance, again, to bring up the fact that we need um, some work done on the regulatory side uh, with the Prime Minister, and we need the right infrastructure in place to make these projects happen. Um, and, and I think the other uh, conversation that was really important was with Seamus O'Regan yesterday, who's chairing the regulatory table around critical minerals, and it was a good conversation. I mean, what we've said at the, in Ottawa this week is, really, look, first thing you have to do is make sure that the relationship with First Nations is right. Make sure that um, companies are coming and meeting with First Nation governments, first and foremost, and then we have to make sure we have the infrastructure and the regulatory regime in place to really seize this opportunity. All right, well, let's turn to housing. Sure. A lot of topics on your agenda yeah, this week, absolutely. and not enough time to talk about it all. Yeah. So let's talk about housing. Uh, what do you see as the key barriers to getting more affordable housing in Yukon? Look, we've had um, really strong economic growth over the last number of years. We've had the strongest population growth from a percentage standpoint in the country, really, from 2013 to now. Um, so we, you know, we need to have different types of housing, and we've had real pressure. And so what we're looking for, I'm in Toronto tomorrow, and it's really looking at um, institutional investment. It's looking at pension funds. It's looking at folks that have a long-term view to these investments. We need more rental housing. We need market rental as well as affordable housing. Um, so we're hoping to match that money up with uh, builders and developers in the Yukon so we can come up with the right solutions for um, the growth of our economy. And so what do you think of the debate over housing that we have here in Ottawa right now between, liberals, uh, between the Liberal government on one hand and yeah. what we're hearing from uh, the Conservative leader? Just recently in his 15-minute uh, video about the housing market. Yeah, look, I think that um, everybody tries to make it more simplistic than it is. It's, it's a complex conversation. Um, in the Yukon, it's really focused on the fact that we have First Nation governments that have a real opportunity to play a significant role uh, in land development and housing development. They're doing it now, and we're doing it in a partnership with them. Um, I, I met with uh, Minister Fraser. I like what I'm hearing about how he wants to tackle some of the challenges. So the key is there's been good announceables, but now we have to see the real um, program development come in. We need to see deployment of capital. We need to make sure that the deployment of capital is done right with as much um, reduction in regulatory or you know, uh, challenges that we can possibly have. We need to make sure the application processes are streamlined and we have to do this quick. So I think that's you know, what I'm hearing from Minister Fraser. Now we have to make sure that CMHC can get that done uh, across this country. Okay, let's turn to healthcare. Uh, mm -hmm. As part of your visit here this week, your government signed a letter of intent for a Yukon First Nations-led healing center. Yeah. Tell me about the significance of that and what it's going to mean. Yeah, I think it's important to for the country to know and for your listeners. We were here because we were celebrating the uh, unique relationship between the Yukon government and First Nations leaders and the federal government. And, it, and it's all based in uh, work from 50 years ago called Together Today for Our Children Tomorrow. And so we were celebrating that on the Hill. The first um, major policy piece that we looked at 
while we were here was uh, Minister Hadju coming in and signing an agreement with our First Nation governments and the Yukon government exactly for this particular project. It's really important. This is a challenge across the country, but it's a big challenge in the Yukon. Uh, we've dealt with um, a real um, challenge with opioids, and we need to have the right infrastructure in place. So good leadership by First Nations uh, governments in the Yukon and the federal government uh, working alongside Yukon government. So we're happy to see that happen. Okay, let me end with a question for you about carbon pricing. Sure. A lot of debate here in Ottawa yeah, sure. today mm -hmm. on uh, carve-outs, on exemptions. Yeah. Uh, we know there's been an exemption uh, for home heating oil. We yeah. know there's work being done on heat pumps. We know yeah. there are calls for exemptions uh, for First Nations, for farmers. Uh, where is that debate for you as Yukon Premier right now? Yeah, look, it, it, this is of course, um, you know, premiers got together in Halifax and, and the real um, discussion was, let's make sure that we have an approach to the country that's that's balanced. And, um, you know, I think I spoke to the fact that there was, you know, a bit of a carve out in, in um, Atlanta, Canada. Some of that has affected us. We, we do have an opportunity to, to pull some program dollars back to the Yukon and we're going to do that. Um, look, we, we are on the front lines of climate change. And yes, this has become, um, you know, a political football. But the reality is, uh, we have floods and fires happening in our backyard. I know in the Yukon, Yukoners want us to do the right thing. Uh, we want to be on the right side of history, and we want to make sure that there's a strategy to deal with climate change. And, um, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric on some sides, and um, we feel that the work that's been done over the last couple of years, um, we need to stick with that work. Uh, what we're doing is the, the price on carbon that we have, um, we give um, most Yukoners get money, more money back than what they've paid. We think that that structure and system is solid. But when you start to tweak little areas of it, um, it really starts to erode. And so um, we've said that to the prime minister's office. We've said that to the other ministers. And we really need to ensure that we don't lose sight of this really, really important challenge in front of all of us, not just in Canada, but across the world. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Yukon Premier Ranch Play, I want to thank you so much for, for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. And that's our show for this Friday, December the 8th. I'm Catherine LaFrance in Ottawa. Thanks for joining us for Primetime Politics here on CPAC. We'll see you again. Good night.